is so cool. Welcome back to a new episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. This week, I will be discussing and diving into an honestly good question, one that has actually managed to get me booed out of the church that I grew up in from my childhood until about my mid-20s. I'm 47 now, so my question is only built upon the original foundation for which I asked it in public, in front of other fellow believers in Jesus Christ. And that question is, was Jesus even really human? Is it possible that God, Jesus, the Lord, Yeshua, Yahweh, Jehovah, could actually be an extraterrestrial, an entity from not just another timeline, universe, dimension, but the heavens themselves as described in scripture and by many other religions referring to deities and their gods coming from the heavens, coming from the sky. What if it's all connected and God as we know him or her or it and Jesus described as a man in scripture was actually something far more hard to swallow as a human being that being an extraterrestrial an ET, an alien what if Jesus were actually an alien but like the hybrid sense something from another world or from a world where we were formed from and we managed to I guess become more human and less godlike when we decided to go off on our own and the metaphorical apple that was eaten by Eve and passed on to Adam delivered to them by message of the serpent it's all metaphorical when discussing the apple the forbidden fruit I mean it's been described as many things a pear an apple uh, forbidden knowledge and everything is explained to us in early scripture the way you would explain to a child around a campfire telling a story and writing stories down in Sanskrit on dirt on stone tablets very primitive in fact what if we were something else as we started out and because of us turning our back on our creator devolved to something more so of what we are today bags of bones essentially the human condition. We live, we die. Our energy goes on. Does it evolve into something else? Do we become just free-flowing energy to tap into future generations? Do we evolve into a higher form and then are reborn to try and do it all over again the right way? These are questions I asked when I was a teenager because a lot of things in scripture just don't add up And there's too many things that have been removed by the first church and the first pope and Constantine that really doesn't mesh well as far as how intricate the woven story of creation and evolution and everything that God pulled back the curtain for us to see just a little bit of. Things that just don't make sense, that don't add up. And trying to wrap our pea-sized human brains around it, it just becomes harder and harder to accept it at face value without asking tough questions. 
Now, God never told us not to question. God never told us not to look deeper into the message that he had given to us, that he had told us about, because he obviously did not tell us everything. For us to know everything would make us equal to the creator, and that's not what he wants. He doesn't want us to be equal to him, or it, or she. Because God did make man in his own image as written in original scripture. But remember, scripture was translated by men, written by men, dictated and taught by men for centuries. And there are books that were removed from the original scripture. The Gnostic Gospels, the Apocrypha, written by women that Jesus appointed to write and tell the story. And the original first church removed so many of those books and hid them away. There is so much shit stockpiled in the Vatican that it would probably completely change the course of human history, written history, and the history of the church. And where the church would go from or to after learning about those secrets. So that is what this week's episode is about. Was Jesus an extraterrestrial? Was the ascension actually an abduction? Was the Christ child born into a virgin, put into her through an abduction and a hybrid gene splicing? Is it more complex than that? Or am I overthinking things? That is what this week's episode is about. And I'll leave you with an important message from one of my sponsors. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Now we're back to was Jesus really an alien? How can one show just how potentially ludicrous the alien Jesus conspiracy theory really is? I'm not sure if this particular conspiracy is discussed, but some people make the outrageous and ridiculous claim that Jesus was merely an alien and not the Son of God, pointing to his various miracles and resurrection as proof that he was an alien visitor. Apart from the impossibility of the existence of aliens and the infallibility, inerrancy, and inspired nature proving that he is the Messiah, what would you say to these people? This is something that was written and sent to me when I asked this thought-provoking question about Jesus being an alien from Gian L. out of Australia. Gian L. runs AlienIntrusion.com website, which includes a lot of literature, a lot of decals and t-shirts, and a podcast about how Aliens are actually demons sent by Satan to disrupt and confuse the followers of Christianity. There are several reasons beyond the ones you mentioned for why Jesus is an alien and that it's a ludicrous conspiracy theory. Now, you can certainly reference angels and aliens in the Gospels. The alien Jesus idea has only one thing supposedly going for it that other failed naturalistic ideas don't. It seemingly explains Jesus' miracles. 
but there's an absurdly large cost for affirming this. If this idea is right, the documents that reliably report Jesus' miracles, that being the Gospels, either tell us about Jesus' teachings unreliably or reliably tell us about Jesus himself. Unreliable teachings, it can't be the latter, because the Gospels clearly honor Jesus. The Gospel writers didn't think Jesus was a charlatan. On the other hand, if the Gospels report Jesus' teachings unreliably, why believe their reports about the miracles? If the Gospels can't be trusted to report reliably on mundane things such as what Jesus taught and what the first century Judaism Judaism was like, we can't trust the miracles reported either. If the Gospels are that unreliable, it would make much more sense to say that we can't learn much about the historical Jesus from them than to say that they are evidence that Jesus was an alien and that's why he did miracles. Indeed, this is what many of the most articulate skeptics of the Gospels say. But the link between the reliability of Jesus' teaching and the reliability of his miracles is even closer than that. The Gospels put on the lips of Jesus a close link between his teachings and his miracles. For Jesus, according to the Gospels, his miracles were sure evidence for his claims that his teaching... Luke 11.20 and John 5.36. But he taught that the one true God of Israel was setting up on his kingdom and, and through Jesus, his beloved eternal son. Based on these miracles, Jesus declared his authority to call Israel to repentance and to reform God's true people around himself as their Lord. This sounds like something that at least could make sense in the context of first century Judaism. But aliens? How does that make sense, if anything, of anything about Jesus' teaching in the context? The alien Jesus proponent would likely retort, maybe they just weren't ready for the truth. Well, if they weren't ready for the truth, then what was the point of Jesus? Did the aliens misjudge when they had to send him? Did the aliens send Jesus just for a laugh or at our expense? And again... What evidence do we have for any of this just because the alien Jesus proponent can dream up witty retorts and sound like they keep the theory afloat? That doesn't mean they have any evidence for it. This is just a failed attempt to explain away the fact that all evidence we have stands against the alien Jesus idea. What if aliens could have done Jesus' miracles? But what about the miracles? Couldn't aliens have done these miracles, for argument's sake? Let's first assume that they could have. First, any miracles aliens can do, God can also do. So what supposedly makes aliens a better explanation of Jesus' miracles than God? After all, aliens do not fit the context for Jesus' miracles, but God does. The answer is typically that aliens would be physical beings that do things solely for physical means. And we know physics works. In other words, as ludicrous as aliens are, as an explanation for some, they are a naturalistic explanation for many. So we should always regard them as more plausible explanations than God. Indeed, precisely because God is a supernatural entity. He transcends the laws of nature. They regard him as a non-explanation. 
But this just assumes naturalism, regardless of, and even in the spite of, the evidence itself. But why assume naturalism? The alien Jesus proponent admits Jesus' miracles couldn't have happened by spontaneous physical means. They had to happen through intelligent agencies. They would save technology. To say that God is always the most implausible explanation is such a context the alien Jesus proponent needs good reason to think God doesn't exist or that God didn't care about supporting Jesus. I don't know how they could prove the latter, so it seems they need to show that God doesn't exist even in their attempt to keep Jesus' miracles within physics. They must go into metaphysics to show that we should explain Jesus' miracles solely by intelligent, physical, natural causes. But there are plenty of good reasons to think God exists. Science itself is one of them, and the biblical roots of modern science. But it gets worse for alien Jesus proponents. We have no evidence of any extraterrestrial life, let alone sentient ET life, and not for the lack of looking. SETI, coming in from the cold of space, indeed, a practical implausibility of chemical evolution makes even our very existence miraculous on a naturalistic view. Or did aliens make us? Well, since they too are physical beings, that would have had a beginning. So then who made them? If naturalism is true, chemical evolution must have happened at least once, but admitting that aliens designed us to show that chemical evolution is nothing short of a naturalistic fairy tale. And we can't have an infinite regress of alien designers with beginnings. Thus, if aliens exist, God ultimately made them. And again, since God fits right into Jesus and that context, and aliens don't, God is still the better explanation for these miracles. Could aliens have done Jesus' miracles? Previous section presumed that aliens could have done Jesus' miracles, but could they, given what they know about physics? No. Aliens would have been able to survive the trip to Earth in the first place. Probably not, according to physics. If aliens could have even managed to get here, how could they perform Jesus' miracles and why? No matter how good technology gets, it can't allow us or aliens to switch physics off. Now, there is evidence of both the existence of Jesus Christ and evidence of alien interference through centuries and generations, through art and literature, mentioning alien encounters. But are they connected to the supernatural ability of Jesus Christ? This alien Jesus view was motivated by Arthur C. Clarke's quip that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That simply is not true. Physics limit technology. Only supernatural beings can transcend physics, and only God can change physics itself. If the alien Jesus proponent wishes to say that physics can spontaneously change, then they've undercut their faith in science as the only reason for ruling out God as an explanation. Science can't work if physics can spontaneously change. Obviously, the Jesus was an alien idea 
would be ludicrous to some. Even many atheists know this, and the reasons are legion. It undermines the general reliability that the very documents that need to be reliable for the theory to work, ruling out God in favor of the theory to work, and an alien Jesus is an even more blatant and baseless sop to naturalism that is typically of atheists. And even science itself stands against that theory. On top of that, we can include that reliability of scripture and the impossibility of alien life. We really don't know at this point. We probably never will in our lifetime. That's unfortunate. But the smarter we get as a civilization, the more many of us are devolving as people. The Jesus was an alien idea is a conspiracy theory in the worst sense of the term. It denies the obvious to establish the ludicrous. But it's important to note that it's a naturalistic conspiracy theory. It's an absurd last-ditch hope for the naturalist to deny God in the face of the reliability of the Bible. There are a lot of things that are cut out of Scripture. There are a lot of things removed and rewritten from our history. And to limit the possibility of alien life or alien involvement in civilizations before us, or in any way, shape, or form our creation, is to limit the ability and the design of God himself. Because to limit those things or to deny them denies the plausibility that God went in that direction and God is, in fact, an extraterrestrial being. Aliens is a broad term. Extraterrestrial entity makes more sense. Fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. That's terrific. Angels and aliens in our midst. One scientist explains why the Bible supports extraterrestrials. The White House press secretary might make fun of aliens being in our midst. But according to one scientist, the Bible gives clear evidence that they've been operating in our world since time began. And they have a name we all know. They are called angels. For decades, scientists have searched the cosmos looking for life on other planets. The $100 million SETI telescope searched for extraterrestrial intelligence. Those scopes were created for that purpose. But what if those extraterrestrials were already here? Not launched in weather balloons or in UFOs, but in the world in which we live. 
Astronomer and physicist Dr. U. Ross makes a convincing case that angels are beings that have existed throughout entirety as God's messengers, and that they operate like any beings who are not confined to our space-time dimensions. Scientists know there are more dimensions than humans can access. Ross writes in Salvo magazine, according to the Bible, these creatures differ from humans and that they are not constrained by either the known laws of physics or the known space-time dimensions. Rather, they exist in a realm distinct from the universe, yet have been granted power to enter the human realm for brief episodes, either in physical or non-physical form. On our light on a Lighthouse Faith podcast, Ross, founder and director of the nonprofit Reasons to Believe, explains and expands on this scientific analysis of why it's perfectly acceptable to believe in the existence of angelic beings. He says, if you've got a casual agent beyond space and time that created the universe, that casual agent could create other things outside the universe and even grant the power to come into this universe and enter the human realm. So it's certainly scientifically plausible. Chances are, God never let us know about it. And it goes on in the Bible. Angels are God's messengers and ground soldiers, if you will, carrying on God's business. There are three different types, cherubim, seraphim, and then living creatures. The Nephilim are the abomination of where angels fell from grace and carried on children with the daughters of man and created a hybrid subspecies that is wicked, extremely strong, and highly intelligent. The cherubim guarded the entrance to the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve were cast out and expelled for disobeying. The seraphim were only mentioned once in the Bible as the beings who continually worshipped the Lord, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's in Isaiah 6.3. The living creatures can appear as animals or humans. Sounds kind of like uh, skinwalkers to me. Scholars believe the commander of the army is the Lord. Joshua 6.14 whom Joshua encounters on the eve of Israel's battle in Jericho, which was an angel. The book of Hebrews says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. There is a hierarchy to the angels as well. Archangels are the only angels with names. Gabriel, probably the most well-known, came to Mary to tell her she would be with child and give birth to a son who would be known as Emmanuel, God with us. That is Luke one twenty six. The apocalyptic verses in the Bible also predict that an archangel will herald Jesus' return and the book of Revelation. But even without proper names, angels have done a lot of spiritual heavy lifting in the Bible. Scholars believe the commander of the army of the Lord in Joshua 6.14, whom Joshua encounters on the eve of Israel's battle, was in fact an angel, as I earlier stated. Angels also cared for Jesus after he was tempted by Satan and the wilderness in Matthew 4.11. And speaking of Satan, he's a fallen angel after all. Lucifer, 
whom Jesus speaks of cryptically, saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, in Luke 10.18. Jesus' words tells us two things. One, that Lucifer, once the angel of light, was cast out of heaven for his pride and his unwillingness to serve God. And two, it tells of Jesus' pre-existence, before he was actually born into the manger at Bethlehem as a physical being. But even modern-day people talk about seeing angels and experiencing their presence. An artist, N. H. Nielsen's book, Angels in Our Midst, woven in among her ethereal paintings of angels are stories that people have told her about angels who have surrounded them and helped them in their time of need. She also describes her own sadness after her stepfather's unsuccessful surgery. He retained, regained consciousness long enough to point at something in his hospital room. The family didn't know what he wanted. Then it appeared death was imminent. She writes, I got a call the next day to head back. We all needed to be there. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, traveling to Charleston, South Carolina. It was the longest drive I think I had ever taken. She went on. I was shaking and tears were streaming down my face as I would get updates from family members on this condition. I just wanted him to hang on until I got there to tell him goodbye. All of a sudden, still an hour away from Charleston, this amazing peace came over me. I felt like the Lord was telling me he was pointing to angels. Angels were surrounding him yesterday and he was trying to tell you everything is okay. Nielsen writes that she was filled with the peace that passes all understanding. She got to the hospital just as he flew to heaven with Jesus into his arms. Even in the classical world, angels figure largely. Angels have also occupied a lot of our imagination and entertainment. Touched by an Angel was a popular TV show that ran for nine seasons on CBS. It told how angels who look like plain people were helping earthlings overcome life's many struggles, letting them know that God was indeed with them. A movie, Angels in Our Midst, was released in 2007. Even the classical world, angels figure largely into the German opera, Hansel and Gretel. The two lost and frightened children pray in the evening for angels to come and guide them and watch over them. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Flying saucers in the Bible connection. Bible scholar Barry Downing firmly believes that biblical teachings were inspired by extraterrestrials who came to earth in flying saucers. 
Downing was so convinced he wrote a book about the theory called The Bible and Flying Saucers, Lip Kant, New York, 1968. In the book, he says the Bible clearly points out how UFOs played a strong role in the evolution of the Hebrew Christian faith. Downing believes the scriptures suggest that Jesus' resurrection occurred when he was beamed up from earth by a flying saucer. Downing also believes that the bright cloud that led the people of Israel through the Red Sea, parting the waters, and then engulfing the Egyptians was a UFO. The author even claims it was space beings who spoke to Moses from the middle of the glowing thicket and later spoke to Elijah outside of the cave, forcing the prophet to shield his eyes because of the brightness. A UFO took Jesus away at the ascension and hovered over Paul and his followers on the Damascus Road. Downing contends. He also claims the three wise men probably followed a UFO to Bethlehem. Since stars do not move or abruptly stop in the manner the UFO des the uh, Bible describes, Downing claims that evidence proving UFOs could be hazardous to human health can also be found in the Bible. He points to the references to the Egyptians drowning in the Red Sea. Warnings given to Moses not to approach too near the burning bush and warnings given to his followers not to approach Mount Sinai as proof. The author points out other mystifying events in the Bible that he believes can only be interpreted to mean the participants had contact with UFOs. For example, he points out that when Moses descended from Mount Sinai with two tablets in his hands, Exodus records that the skin of his face shone from talking to God and he says the New Testament describes how Jesus began to glow when in contact with a bright object on a mountain. When the tabernacle was built, Downing contends the priests serving it were told by ETs what clothing to wear to protect themselves against radiation. Because the UFO hovered like a cloud over the tent enclosing the tabernacle, Downing believes this precaution could have brought about the Jewish custom of wearing skull caps into houses of worship, yarmulkes. The author even suggests mutations in the growth of biological life caused by radiation could have resulted in the plagues described in Exodus. Downing further theorizes that Einstein's curvature of space theory provides a clue to where heaven is located. The author contends Jesus may have meant that the kingdom of heaven literally rests in the midst of us, meaning that heaven is on an entirely different plane or wavelength, invisible to us, but existing parallel to our own, connected by bends or warps in the space-time continuum. They are everywhere. This is about a 1,000-year-old Jesus painting. Apparently, it has UFOs in the painting. Theorists are going wild. People are losing their minds after some light was shed on a 1,000-year-old Jesus painting that appears to have signs of UFOs in it. The painting has apparent UFOs hovering above Jesus' head in the 11th century fresco mural painting made by an unknown artist. The painting is etched onto a wall of the Svetiskavelli Cathedral in Eurasian, Georgia, and it appears to show UFOs circling Calgary as Jesus hangs on the cross. 
Although the spacecraft-looking objects are not the main focus of the painting, modern viewers can't help but wonder if the jellyfish-adjacent spacecraft in the painting were meant to represent the alien life on Earth. In the painting, an onlooker of Jesus' crucifixion seems to be pointing at a UFO hovering in the sky. While the origins of the painting are completely unknown, it is believed that it is over 1,000 years old. According to some historians, the 11th century artwork was supposed to represent guardian angels. However, the theory seems to have weak evidence backing it for some of on the internet, as the shape of the sky blobs oddly resemble the saucer-like shapes of alien spacecrafts and modern humans are often using. While historians believed they were angels, conspiracy theorists, of course, have their own ideas. While they argue that the blobs were in fact supposed to be angels, they would have been drawn as having wings. The conspiracy theory website Ancient Aliens weighed in on the painting and wrote, The unknown artist seems to be telling us that these flying saucers were present during the death of Jesus. The website added, The faces likely mean that these crafts were piloted by people or beings that seem to play a central role in the event. They must have been part of the crucifixion story, at least as it was taught by the Georgian Orthodox Church. The conspiracy theorists further probe. Were early artists in the Orthodox Church aware of certain facts about the ancient aliens that have been veiled from us today? Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. Ezekiel and the Strange Beings. Who were they exactly? The prophet Ezekiel was a Jewish priest who lived in Chaldea. He claimed he was contacted four times during a 20-year period, beginning about 593 B.C., by man-like beings who came to Earth in a fiery chariot. NASA rocket engineer Joseph Blumrich believes Ezekiel was probably the world's first UFOlogist, describing in detail the strange beings that confronted him and their craft. Ezekiel's writings, of course, can be found in the Old Testament. In this book, The Space Beings of Ezekiel, Bontem, New York, 1974, which was published, Blumrich reinterprets Ezekiel's observations to produce an engineering analysis of the fiery chariot described in the Bible. Like I mentioned earlier, seeing a UFO at that time in the history of mankind, one would compare it to a wheel, a wheel in the sky. Uh, no one would at that time know what a saucer was or a disc or even a uh, cigar-shaped vehicle in the sky. They would equate it to a wheel. Incredibly, that analysis found that the object Ezekiel encountered could be built today. NASA, the author points out, holds patents on atmospheric 
reentry vehicles closely designed after the object Ezekiel reported. In the Bible, Ezekiel writes, He watched a stormy wind descend from the north, fire flashing forth continually, and within it he saw the likeness of four living creatures, each with four wings and a pair of human hands. Now, sounds a lot like uh, winged creatures, humanoids that could be close to what we think of as the Mothman or perhaps gargoyles or uh, any other type of winged cryptid. Bloomrick interprets this to mean four landing legs, possibly, each with four-bladed helicopter and mechanical arm attachments supporting a, a uh, spacecraft body. Ezekiel was able to positively identify only one feature of the object, the wheels, one at the bottom of each leg, which were capable of moving in any direction. Author Bloomrick believes Ezekiel's observation a wheel within a wheel describes a technique for locomotion. The U.S. space program incorporated into vehicles designed to operate on the surface of other planets. Ezekiel describes the wheels he saw as light greenish blue and the body of the object as resembling rock crystal or terrible ice. As suggesting uh, to Bloomrick that the prophet was seeing a shiny surface, the same shiny surface described in thousands of present-day UFO sightings. From the object, the Bible tells us, emerged the appearance of a man who had been seated upon the likeness of a throne. Ezekiel refers to the being as the glory of the Lord, rather than the Lord himself, Bloomrick points out. The author believes the likeness of a man described by Ezekiel was a spacecraft commander who wore a gold or brass colored suit and demonstrated for the prophet his ability to fly from his craft to the ground. Then taken for a ride on the craft, Ezekiel described the experience with the words, the spirit lifted me up, according to Bloomrick's interpretation. And when they landed, seven men received the commander. One of them said, I have done as thou didst command me. Three more times over the following 20 years, Ezekiel described the same craft, and after each encounter, the prophet described the experience with the words, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and the Spirit took hold of me, or the Spirit lifted me up. Bloomrick speculates the prophet may have been describing a hyphonic influence and teleportation, possibly. He also theorizes that the UFO began its descent after separating from a larger UFO at 220 miles in altitude. A brief firing of its rockets enabled the craft's helicopter-like blades to descend the rest of the way and maneuver for a landing. The author believes Ezekiel witnessed this phase of the flight and the prophet mistook the rockets blasting for lightning and the helicopter blades for rushing wind. The author believes Ezekiel was chosen for an encounter because he was a priest and occupied a leadership role among his people. Based on Ezekiel's observations, Bloomrick believes that speculated the ETs were studying humans and ex, um, exerated the intellectual influence of the development of human civilization through the priest Ezekiel.
demons impersonating aliens. In Matthew 24, 3-14, Jesus gives us a description of the last days and the deception that will accompany that time. Take heed, he warns, repeatedly, that no one deceives you. Warning of deceitful workers, the apostle Paul alerted his readers to beware. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant at his devices. 2 Corinthians 2.11 And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14 This satanic being is so powerful that he is called the prince of this world. John 12.31 The prince of power, of the air. Ephesians 2.2 2. And even the god of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. That's power. The current barrage of science fiction books and movies have successfully conditioned the hearts and minds of this generation to accept demons as aliens, according to many experts from that aspect. Aliens from outer space, they've been depicted as. Even the young children in the movie, E.T., perceived a cute-looking alien as a friend. Such conditioning creates a mindset to accept demons as good entities, according to the author of that book. Entities instead of evil beings. So it's no wonder that people are deluded to believing in benevolent visitors from outer space. Star Trek and Star Wars, along with a host of other similar screenplays, have galvanized an interest in life from an outer space, thus preparing a whole generation to accept UFOs and aliens. Mankind should be taught to stand against the deception that is suggested by these movies, according to the book's author, and encouraged to understand the reality of the spirit world. As Christian parents, we should be very careful about allowing our children to view these types of movies because they can unduly influence young and innocent minds with the glamour of witchcraft and New Age philosophy, according to the book's author. I, for one, see both sides, because yes, there are beings from other worlds, whether it be other planets, whether it be a multiverse concept or other universes, or something from a completely different time that is parallel to our own world, or possibly a world that has not fallen from sin, fallen into sin, therefore not needing a redeemer like Christ. So the beings visiting us could very well be enlightened ones, uh, safe to be around and just curious as to what direction we're going to go in. But then there's a flip side of the coin. There could be dark alien entities that are not from another planet, that are not from the future, that are not from another dimension, but actually from the realm of hell, impersonating beings of interest, something that could entice us, lure us in, entirely possible. But that's the other side of the coin. The first side I mentioned very well could be connected to my original theory that there are worlds that have not fallen into sin like ours has, therefore not needing a redeemer. Jesus did not have to go to those planets and seek and save the lost because they're already fine. They never took of the fruit from their Garden of Eden. They didn't need to be restored and saved. 
but the human race did, which could explain why we are so behind technologically to these beings. I mean, yeah, we're way up there. Uh, we are about as smart as we know we can get at this point. We don't know anything beyond what we already know, but there could be beings that are far superior to us and guiding us in the right direction to make those advances in technology to better ourselves as a race, as a society, as a planet. Entirely possible. But then there are Christian extremists who would love to take the book I was mentioning written by a one-sided author who's only screaming, that's a demon, that's a demon, that's a demon at everything, which really doesn't help anyone at all, nor does it cause anyone to really want to run through the doors of a church and jump onto that frame of thought because too much control there. Jesus made us creatures of free will. And when you have someone from the pulpit conducting what I refer to as divisive hate speech and calling everyone and everything that doesn't look or behave a certain way, not of God, that doesn't help anyone or anything. And that is not what Jesus came here to teach us. Please hold for a very important message from our sponsor. Thank you so much. You've been awesome this week. I'm glad I got to share this episode with you. And don't ever be afraid to ask questions. Questioning one's faith only strengthens it. If you ever have questions, some people will say just pray about it. I say pray and do your own research and dig deep into asking the hard questions. Doing your own fact-finding. Don't just listen to what the pastor or the priest or the rabbi or the minister or the cleric says from the pulpit. That's a humanistic view of faith. When it comes to my faith, it's personal. It's between me and my creator. It's between Jesus and I. And I don't dare cram what I believe or what I view or see down anyone else's throat ever. I have friends of all different backgrounds and different faiths or no faith at all in anything. They're just living their lives and doing what they want and not hurting anyone. They're good people. Everyone can be a good person. But asking questions, that's important. God never said not to ask questions. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Thanks for joining me this week on this episode of Paranormally Speaking. Keep your eyes on the skies. Look up from your mobile phone and look into the woods because Sasquatch or a werewolf or a skinwalker or grassman or dogman could be watching you. Look up to the sky because we could be monitored by some cloaked UFO or mothership that's watching your every move. And those bumps you hear and the knocks at night in your home or a friend's home or an abandoned property. It's just someone saying hi. Have a great rest of the week, a terrific weekend, and I will see you next time on Paranormally Speaking. There's something here, just